Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you guys are here. It's going to be a good episode. We've got a friend, Steve Trang. You've heard him. You've seen him. He's the one and only the famous, because he's everywhere, owner, creator, president, master of the Real Estate Disruptors podcast, YouTube channel, and everything. And here's the cool thing about Steve. If you don't know him, he's a great sales trainer, one of the best in the country. And so we're going to be talking about sales, how to close more deals. And we're going to be talking about some things that he's working on. You know, a lot of you guys, you're already doing some deals and you're tired of seeing your houses on other wholesalers lists. We're going to be talking about how to stop that in its tracks. But Steve, he's, he's well known all across the country, especially in Phoenix. And he's had hundreds of incredible guests on his show. And it's funny, it's funny with his show, you, you can only be on his show if you fly down to Phoenix. So he and he gets people all the time that are um, he's booked two or three months solid with people flying down to Phoenix to be on his show. And so I got him on ours. And I'm excited to introduce him to you guys. We're going to be talking about sales. We're going to be talking about wholesaling your deals and making sure that other people aren't stealing your deals. And Steve has been in the business a long time, very successful. So I'm excited to have him on the show. I hope you guys are too. I got a few things real quick. This podcast is brought to you by partnerwithjoe.net. Partnerwithjoe.net. If you go there, you're going to get my offer software for free. I have this cool method to help you create multiple different cash offers and then give you a cover letter, a one-page contract, and a two pages of benefits of why people should sell their house to you. This is a great tool you can use to send a cash offer to a seller if it's cold. You know, Just send them an offer, send them this letter. It's a four-page thing, and this is a great tool that you can use to follow up with them. So this calculator helps you figure out the ARV, estimate the repairs, come up with a quick cash offer. You get a PDF or a Word document. You send it to the seller, and it's pretty ninja. And I built it is free. You can get it with partnerwithjoe.net. Go to partnerwithjoe.net. And the other cool thing you're going to get it with there is after you get the free thing, you're going to see an opportunity to get one of my best courses ever for just seven bucks. And I'm going to be teaching you over 30 days um, how to get your first check the fastest, easiest way possible. And um, I'm also going to give you access and ability to partner with me on deals if you want. I, I lend money on deals. I partner with people on deals. And uh, you get the full version of my software, which helps you come up with lease option offers and owner financing offers and a bunch of different cool things that you can send to the sellers that does the selling for you in a certain sense. If they're not ready right now, send them something in an email, send them something in the mail, and just keep that relationship going with the seller to follow up with them because that's where most of your deals are going to come from with the follow-up. And so that's what the software is created to do to help you make more offers, talk to more sellers, close more deals, make more money, and then because of the follow-up, which is awesome. I know you're going to love it. So go to partnerwithjoe.net, right? Good. Let's get Steve, Steve Trang from the Real Estate Disruptors podcast show. Steve, how are you, man? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I've wanted to have you on my show for a long time. You invited me to be on your show, but you said, yeah, just come on down to Phoenix. I'm like, <laughs> I'm in St. Louis. <laughs> you know, normally in Phoenix, I think of Phoenix, it's like 200 degrees down there. But it's a dry 200. Yeah, okay, of course, of course. And you've got some of the best sushi restaurants and steak restaurants in the entire country. Mm -hmm. I've been down to Phoenix many times. 
So I'm, I'm glad to have you on my show. A lot of people, maybe my audience, don't know who you are yet. And if, if they don't know who you are, they're probably just not on YouTube. But you're, you, you exploded a couple years ago onto the scene. I mean, you've been doing deals in real estate for a long, long time. Yeah. So people don't know you, though. Talk about what you do and how'd you yeah. get started in it. So we do many different things. So, you know, I started off as a realtor, right? Well, I started off as an investor, then realtor, then broker. Then I started buying houses to flip ran out of money. So we started wholesaling. So, <laughs> right. Cause when you had money, that, by the way, when we ran out of money, like 2012, 2013, yeah, okay. you know, we were buying houses, not by design, but because we wanted to, uh, I wanted more listings. I was like, how do you get more listings? Well, let's make cash offers and then convince them to list it instead. And no, they wanted the cash offers. So we started buying houses and then started wholesaling, started a title company, and then started a podcast. And it's funny, like you, you may appreciate this because you also have a podcast. It's like, I'm the same exact person I was three years ago, but now, you know, known. Doing yeah. the same person, but now I'm known. Well, okay. I want to, before you get to this, how do you start or why you started the podcast? Talk about your journey. So you were a realtor slash investor. When did you start doing real estate? So uh, I started buying rentals in 2006. Became a realtor in 2007. Did short sales because what else are you going to do in 2007? <laughs> Listed properties for banks, Wells Fargo, Chase, uh, Fannie Mae. And then you can kind of see the writing on the wall, right? Every REO agent oh, yeah. should have known. Most of them kind of didn't, surprisingly. But you knew that the writing was on the wall. So I said, I got to figure something else out. So I got into coaching. So I saw this mug, right? Best real estate coach or best coach ever. I got into coaching, <laughs> not to coach, but to actually receive coaching. And doing that, I was like, oh my goodness, this real estate's a business. It's not a job, it's a business. And so I started marketing for listings and I have a technical background, former engineer. So I said, well, what's the best way to get listings? Well, let's just start doing Google pay-per-click. And so, you know, I did like free appraisal. What's my home worth? And I got leads, but they were mostly junk. But the ones that worked really well was buy my house and sell my house. Really? And then I looked at that and I said, okay, well, how do I do more of that? And what would I do? This is, you know, 2011, 2012. I was like, oh, there's this guy in town, Sean Terry. Yeah. And he does this. Let's just go ahead and steal all his keywords, <laughs> right? Because you could use keywords by at that time. And you, oh, could, yeah. you can literally copy all his keywords and copy all of his ads. There's software out there that did that. So mm -hmm. that's what I did. And then, you know, you borrow a little, liberal, little liberally from his website. And I would go to appointments it's like, you know, I can make you a cash offer or we can list it. And I got a lot of listings that way. Really? But every once in a while, they're like, no, I want the cash offer. Like, no, you, you don't want the cash offer. Like, no, we want the cash. I was like, I don't think you understand. I understand. I want the cash offer. Wow, really? So we started buying houses with me only wanting to get listings. Uh, so we started buying houses to flip hotel, right? Hoteling before hoteling was a term. Wow. So let me just clarify here. You were kind of modeling. Maybe it's a better way to say that because you and you and Sean are still friends, right? Oh yeah, we get along. All right. Yeah. But uh, maybe he maybe he hasn't heard this version of the story though. Ah well, yeah. I haven't, he listens to every episode that I produce, them, so he'll find out. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But uh, okay, so you modeled what Sean Terry was doing, which is brilliant, by the way. I hope you guys wrote that down. You know, that is yeah. one of the best, easiest, fastest ways. I mean, this isn't rocket science. There's no mm -hmm. secrets in this business. Find somebody that's doing deals and just do what they do. 
All right. So anyway, you modeled what was already working Mm -hmm. and you weren't even trying to do wholesaling. You were just trying to get listings. You're just trying to find sellers that wanted to sell their house, right? Right. Yeah. Brilliant. (laughs) You think someone that wanted to find the house, what their house is worth would be a good lead. No. No, no. Someone that says, sell my house fast. It's a phenomenal. I I want to sell my house now. Yeah, exactly. By the way, Caleb Pearson in the house. Caleb, Caleb. what's going on, man? I wish we were golfing in two days, but we're not. I was supposed to golf with Caleb (laughs) this coming Sunday. But I hope you get better. I hope your wife gets better soon, brother. All right. Anyway, sorry, I had to bring him on. Okay. So you start getting these points. Now, one of the questions I had was sometimes a seller would be like, oh, you're doing a bait and switch with me. You know, I thought mm-hmm. you were going to now, you know, did you feel like you you lost some credibility with the seller immediately when you gave them two different options? Did they feel like they were tr- you were trying to trick them or something? No. Initially, when I was going with a cash offer, but convincing them to list because they would get more, that never felt like a bait and switch. That always seemed to yeah. be okay. Okay. But once we started going in there to push one more, that became more of a problem. So like there were times where we would go in there and we would present now like we can list it or buy it. When we went that route, presenting both options immediately, it kind of got a little weird towards the end. But initially, when I was going with one offer and then saying, by the way, there's this other option where you can get more money, they were okay with that. But then when we started going in with two offers, it got kind of confusing. So then we had to stop doing that, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Then, what we learned was that we could just go in there with a blank slate. Let's figure out what's going on in Joe's world. And then after understanding what's going on in Joe's situation, I said, Joe, it sounds like you're trying to get the most amount of money for your home. It's like, that's right. You know what? Can I suggest we go this direction? Mm. And then it's like, Joe, it seems like you really need to get this done right away. It's like, yeah, I do. It's like, okay. Then we would just move forward with a cash offer. So I started with a bait and switch. Then it became, here's two options and offering two options was bad. So then we went back to really just understanding the homeowner's situation and then prescribing the best solution. And that's when things were good again. Well, what a great concept, because that gives you time to build some rapport with them, to build a little bit of relationship and really just finding out what they need, Mm -hmm. right? Because maybe there isn't anything you can do to help them. Right. And offering multiple options, which there's a whole other world, there's way more options you can offer, but coming in with multiple options just gave you a better solution provider. And if you didn't have the solution, at least then you can figure that out versus pushing something that they don't even want. Okay. All right. So 2012, you start doing this, you're doing some PPC. Mm -hmm. Um, You're still doing that today? We are. We are, but I'm not doing it anymore. So back then it was easy enough. And then our friend, Sean Terry, told the world about it. (laughs) And even then it was still working, right? And it kept working until the iBuyers got in the game. Mm -hmm. Now with Open Door and OfferPad, where their business model is not to be profitable, it's a lot harder to be a company that doesn't need to make a profit. I'm still scratching my head on that. I still have not figured it out. It's but we hired a, a company now that we use, and uh, they actually were, were very happy. So we're back in the PPC game again, and it is a positive ROI again. It's not the five or ten x it was before. But are you still just targeting Arizona? Or are you going out bigger than that? For PPC, we're targeting only Phoenix. Phoenix, mm-hmm. yeah. which has probably some of the most expensive cost per clicks in the country, right? It is, it is. But we've got someone who who's really good at what he does. Um, he does Cody Hoffines uh, PPC. You know, a good friend of ours. Yeah. Uh, and so 
you know, if you can do well in, for Cody in Salt Lake City, which is also very competitive, you're equipped to handle Phoenix. I was literally talking to Cody two minutes before we got on this podcast here. That's mm-hmm. why one of the reasons I was late. He won't <laughs> shut up. When you get him talking, he just won't stop. He's an energizer rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, Cody, love you. So um, then what? You know, this is, you kind of hit, you started getting into this, seems like right when the market was at the bottom, mm-hmm. starting to come back up in a tear. What did you start doing then for the next so, um, years? So we ran out of money. So we started learning how to wholesale, started a title company. And the whole time I was wholesaling on the side, it was a side hustle because my wow. primary focus really was the traditional side of business. And it wasn't until I partnered with Max Jimenez. Uh, in, in 2018, that we really had a dedicated person, and and the reason why I knew the buying the houses, the pay per click, and, and so I knew that was the best use. But I also had these other businesses, and so for me, I wasn't going to go hard on wholesaling or flipping until I had the right person in place. And so you know, there's a book right now that everyone's talking about, who, not how. Yeah. And so for me, I wasn't like I wanted to have an investment arm, but I knew I couldn't run the investment arm, and so I didn't want to go hard on it until I had the right person in place to run it. All so right. That's when we went hard on it. You started a brokerage too, didn't you? I started a brokerage January, 2013. Uh, we got as big as 120 agents. I think we're at 97, 98 now. We called a handful in the last five months and we're very close to 1% market share. I think we will exceed 1% market share this year oh, in so. the Phoenix market. Yeah. That's huge. And I was as pretty good, right? For something that's not a core focus, you know, it's, I wouldn't call it a side hustle, but it's not my primary focus. I have other people in place that are managing the broker. I got two people who I trust, love, you know, love dearly that run the brokerage. And you have a lot of well-known wholesalers and investors inside of your brokerage hanging their license with you. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have uh, those, the, the batch guys, you know, Jesse and Evo. Uh, we got Brent Daniels, our great, the other Energizer rabbit, yeah. right? Brent Daniels <laughs> is here. Yeah, uh, we had all of Keegley for a little bit, but Keegley is now trying to be an, a, a nationwide brokerage or something. I'm not exactly sure. So they went off and did their own thing. So, but yeah, we got some major players. Uh, Templeton Walker, another guy who, depending, you know, you might know who he is. Does a bunch of deals. Yeah, yeah. So are you investor friendly? So you'd be you'd be considered more of an investor friendly broker in the Phoenix area. Is that right? Absolutely. I am first and foremost about how do we create wealth. And so we don't have all the agents and I don't want all the agents. I want the agents that are committed to excellence. And I want the agents that want to create wealth because if you're not interested in creating wealth, we are not going to have interesting conversations. I am naturally introverted. It may not appear that way, but if we're talking about business. We're talking about creating wealth. I can talk to you all day. But if you want to talk about the weather or how difficult the market is, or I don't know what's about this and so on. And you want to whine, like I am gone like five to 10 seconds into that conversation. Which I imagine is one of the biggest reasons why you started Real Estate Disruptors podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, people say like, man, Steve, you asked some really great questions. And I appreciate that feedback. But I ask those questions because I genuinely want to know the answers. Yeah, yeah. This is why <laughs> I, I love know. the show. Yeah. I get to hear from other people doing it at a very high level and how they're solving this problem that I haven't solved yet. It's like mm-hmm. a free mastermind for me. Oh yeah. I get free coaching every day of <laughs> yeah, the week. Fantastic. I just, I just texted a, a well-known guy that's hard to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want to talk to him and see what he's doing. But I invited him on my show. Yeah. And I've got a big audience and was like, Hey, listen, how can I help you grow your business? It's a whole principle in this. Is this why I'm kind of dwelling on this for a minute here, guys listening to this podcast. There's a whole principle of this. If you've got, if you want some coaching, some help from somebody who's active in the business, don't you just call them and say, Hey, can I pick your brain a little bit? Can I take you out to lunch or don't do that? 
go to them and say, Hey, how can I help you do more deals? How can I help mm-hmm. you make more money? How can I help you grow your business? Yeah. And when you come at it with that attitude, they're going to be like, okay, cool. How can I help you? You know, Russell Brunson, if you all know Russell Brunson, I know, I think I know you do, Steve. Mm-hmm. Just a quick short story. Uh, he was in St. Louis. He owned three really crappy rental properties in St. Louis, like in the worst part of the town. And I offered to help him for free to get rid of them. I said, listen, I'll either buy them from you. I'll wholesale them and waive. I won't make a fee. Or I, I offered to list them on the MLS and, and reimburse him any commissions that I offered or not charge any commissions. And then I offered to um, help him fix them up and manage them for free. And like, do you think I got his attention? He was here to speak at a Dan Kennedy event. Mm -hmm. Did really well. This is right when ClickFunnels came out. And I remember I picked him up in my, I had this big old beat up diesel truck. And I was so intimidated because this is the Russell Brunson. He's really laid back guy. But I picked him up in this stinky big diesel truck, you know, and he looked at it and kind of laughed. I said, come (laughs) on, let's go look at your houses. And I picked him up on a Sunday morning at like 7 a.m. Because I said, this is the only time of the day uh, that I would be comfortable taking you here to go look at these houses. Mm -hmm. And so early Sunday morning, I took him there and he's crapping his pants the whole time he's there, you know, but it was like, and I offered to help him with it. Long story short, I uh, I helped him rehab them, manage them and then sell them a couple of years later. He still lost a crap ton of money on those things, but um, He'll, he'll be okay financially. Yeah. You know what he said to me though? He said, uh, uh, after I said, man, how can I help you, Joe? I said, well, you know, geez, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm doing, so he started, he gave me some advice on the podcast, my coaching and consulting programs, how I, my funnels, he started giving me advice. He invited me to come to Boise and hang out with them on their masterminds and stuff that they do in Boise. So it's like, that's how you approach business. When you see somebody who is doing what you want to do, offer to help them for free, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I, you mentioned pick a brain and for me, for the longest time, I have a hard time saying no. Mm-hmm. So I stopped saying no. I don't say yes. I send them a link for a Calendly call mm-hmm. worth the pay. I think it charge a thousand dollars for an hour. Oh, you uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm not saying no anymore. They're saying no. They're saying it's not worth a thousand to spend an hour, which is fine. Well, your time is worth every penny of a thousand dollars. Yeah. You know that if you can help somebody, and and you're really good at sales training, I want to ask you more about that here mm-hmm. in a second. But if you can help somebody get some little mind switch, mind shift tweak or learn some new technique or just a better way to ask a question to a seller. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's easily one deal a year, which would be worth $1,000 of your time. Well, worth well, well, well more than $1,000 for them to their bottom line. All right. Nice. Okay. You're successful in Phoenix doing a lot of deals. What is the key to your success? Is it sales? Is it learning how to talk to sellers? Because that's kind of what you're well known for, right? That's what I'm known for. Yeah. So I would say the key to my success is that I'm, sound terrible, is that I'm really lazy. (laughs) And so because I recognize this, I've created guardrails around me that allows me to A, just do what I really enjoy doing. Yeah. And then hiring people, learning to hire the right people to do everything else, all the stuff that I don't want to do, right? Like paperwork or, you know, opening escrow, even like going to sign, right? Like nothing. I don't want to do anything except what I love doing. And so I've been able to create a 40 hour work week where the whole 40 hours I get to do what I enjoy doing. 
Yeah. Uh, so that's been, I would say, the key to my success. But going back to the sales part, you know, I was able to geek out on the sales for the last few years. Yeah. Because I have other people in place. And you have the time to do it. I have the time to do it. Damn, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, so sales is something that, you know, I geeked out on it. And and then the reason why, one of the reasons why is because I really sucked at sales for a long time. So going back to what I was saying earlier, it was me versus Sean Terry. We were paying $2.50 a click and $12 per phone number. That was a bargain back then. I would mur- I would literally murder someone right now if I can get that <laughs> again, right? It's not really funny, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. So anyway, I left a lot of money on the table. I got a lot of think about it. I got a lot. I'll get back to you. Yeah. And for me, the solution wasn't to get better at sales. You know, I read the books, you know, I read all these different sales books and none of them helped me. And so instead of me getting better at sales, what I did was I hired pushy salespeople, Hmm. right? And it worked, but I wonder how much money I left on the table. But now, since I've been able to learn sales from the right places, I've geeked out on it for the last few years. And I've gotten to a position now where I'm able to teach what I've learned along the way. So what I teach now in sales is a combination of what I've learned from a few different sources. I would name them, except they've told me I'm not allowed to say their names in public, which is mind boggling to me. So I can't name them. Wow. But from a couple of different sources, along with getting kicked in the nuts for the last few years, for the last 10 plus years. And you know what that's about, right? <laughs> You've experienced being in the living room. It is not always fun in the living room. Well, that's how you learn. That's exactly how you learn. And so, yeah, the sales training that we offer now is based off, you know, learning from a couple of different places and applying what we've learned. Because you take these things, you take these principles and you apply them and then you see the reaction. Like, okay, that does not work. Don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so you were able to tweak along the way. You know, one of the things that I think I've heard from other people that you're really good at is training your sales team, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a lot of guys listening and gals listening to this that that have a team and you're good at sales yourself, but you're not good enough maybe to train people. So do you do that a lot? Do you do, do you train somebody's company? Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I've been doing for the last couple of years is uh, training people, training wholesalers and, and flippers and their team on how to run the appointments, how to set up to sell from the get-go all the way to closing it. And when I say closing, I don't mean like getting a signed contract. I mean, doing getting a signed contract, preventing remorse, and then making sure it goes all the way across the finish line because that's when we get paid. We don't get paid in our contracts. We get paid when escrow pays us. And so we, t- we, we teach a lot of those principles, again, from the first phone call all the way till the check clears. Uh, there's a lot of different processes and systems and places that you got to follow consistently. And I think part of it is I have an engineering background. And so I'm, I'm, I care about systems and, and doing yeah. things the right way. Yeah. And I do it the right way, but doing the right way every time, which is something that salespeople may. Let me ask you about that, Steve. Let's say you were sitting down with a young guy who's hungry, ready to go. And he comes <clears> to you and says, Steve, I want to, I want to hit the streets. I'm going to knock on doors. I'm until my knuckles bleed. I'm going to, I'm going to make calls for 10 hours a day. I'm going to bring you leads. Okay. Can you just train me for five minutes on how to talk to sellers? <laughs> okay. So I'm just trying to figure out like a good way to ask this. Like, how can you condense sales training into like five minutes? Can you tell him how to talk to sellers and what to say? Yeah. So the first thing I would say, if we only had five minutes, I would focus really on just setting the ground rules for the meeting because that's the most important thing. And, and, and everything we do, that's the most important thing. I agree. And yeah. so I would say, hey, Joe, th- this is the script I would say. I say, hey, Joe, you know, before we sit down or before we walk around the house, can I just share with you how these meetings normally go? And I say, yeah, sure. You know, go ahead. It's like, okay, well, first of all, Joe, you know, these calls normally, these meetings normally take about an hour, hour 15. Like that's still a good amount of time for you. 
And they should say yes, right? If they say no, then that means that they just wanted you to walk around and give them a number, give give them a number and they'll call you back in two days. And if you if they called you back, that means you won and you pay the highest, right? So <laughs> we don't want that. And so we say, you know, can I tell you how these meetings uh, normally go? And then they say, sure. You know, hour, we talk about hour, hour 15. Typically homeowners want to know, you know, how does this process work? How much money am I going to get? How soon am I going to get it? Am I missing anything? And I said, no, that's exactly what I want to know. Perfect. Obviously for me to figure out if this is a house that we're going to buy, I'm going to have to ask you some questions. Some of these questions are going to be kind of personal. Will that be okay? And they'll say, sure, that's fine. And at the end, naturally one of two things will happen. Either we buy your home or we don't. Either way is fine. Joe, you know, if the price we offer doesn't make sense, or if you just don't have a good feeling about me, would you feel comfortable telling me no? Or empowering them to say no. And then likewise, if I'm not going to buy your house, am I just, are you okay if I tell you that? Like, yeah, which is weird for them, right? And I say, if it makes sense for us to work together, what that means is we're going to go ahead and take everything we talked about today and we're going to go ahead and put that in writing. Is that fair? And so what have we done? We said, Joe, the agenda. You, you can tell me no. I might tell you no. And if it's yes, we're walking out of here with a contract. And the reason why we do this, there's two things. A, we're setting the tone for the meeting. We're establishing there's a, this is important, there's a gravity, right? So if you're telling me you don't have 15 minutes, then obviously this is not that important to you. And then we're telling them the agenda, which is something that, you know, most people don't understand. If you don't tell them what the agenda is, then they've got their own preconceived agenda. And their own preconceived agenda is, Joe, why don't you go ahead and walk around my house, give me a number, and I'll call you back in two or three days if it's the highest offer. Do we want to play that game? That's not the game we want to play. And so we establish the rules. We set the expectations because if you look at every situation where one person's upset with another, generally speaking, it's because of failed expectations. The seller thought you were going to walk around the house and call and they'll call you in a couple of days. You went there to buy a house, but if you don't tell them that, it's going to be uncomfortable. Someone's walking away from that meeting upset. So we got to fix that in the first 5 minutes. That's excellent. That's good. All right, so maybe maybe 5 minutes isn't enough time yeah. to answer this question. After that, then what? Real quick. After that, we go through pain, you know, the Everyone talks about pain, you know, go through sales training. Everyone talks about pain, but uh, pain is people think of pain as like, you know, foreclosure, divorce, probate, right? But that's not pain. And when we talk about pain, we're talking about, you know, how are things, how is this affecting Joe at home? Is, is, is he behind on car payments? Is Are his credit cards maxed out? Is he fighting with his wife? Has his car been repoed? You know, does he need to be out of here in six days? Has he been going to apply and move in apartments? And they're like, no, your credit sucks. There's foreclosure and there's all these other things that happen because you're in foreclosure. And we're actively reliving that whole experience with the prospect right then and there. Because yeah. when they buy, when, when they sign the contract with you, it's because they're hoping that you can fix all their problems, right? It's not in their mind, let's, let's get the highest number, but really why they're selling the house is to solve all these problems. And it's our responsibility to help them realize the pain that they're in and how we're gonna solve that problem. Moving away from pain towards pleasure, right? Moving away, away from pain. Towards pleasure. Absolutely. Right. And you're talking about like, you know, like how important, how much sleep are you losing over this? You know, wouldn't it be nice to be able to just lay, lay your head down your pillow tonight and just know that this is taken care of. All right. Okay. So good. You're setting the agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're touching, you're discovering their pain points. Mm -hmm. And then what? Uh, and then we're going to go over price. And the important thing here is <laughs> the price is like a game. You know, like, uh, what's your number? You know, I'm going to tell, I'm going to hold on my number. What's your number? And you got to do this dance. And so we'll pull out of them. You know, say, Joe, you know, um, I don't know what I can pay, but I saw that there are other investors that are buying homes in an area for 70000 80000 You know, I'm not saying that's my offer, but if someone offered you 70000 80000 what would you see yourself doing then? And then you're going to hear one of two things. It's either going to be, well, that's what I was hoping for, or that's a ridiculous offer. And if they say that's what I was hoping for, perfect, right? You guys are on the same page. You can pay them that, that number. They say that's, re 
addicted. I was like, I agree. That's a really low offer. What were you hoping we were going to say? And now they're, now they're telling us their number because they thought we said our number, even though we haven't. And this might all might seem really cute. Might that's, seem excessive. That's amazing. I've never heard it that way. I've never heard it positioned that way before. Yeah. So it might sound excessively cute, but at the end of the day, we're playing a game, you know, and it sucks. I don't want to play the game. You know, when you're first dating, when you first get married, all these other things, like everyone says, I hate playing this game. Too bad. You're not getting married. You're not playing the game. In sales, it's just dating. We've got to play the game. So that's the reason why we do what we do. And again, we, we, we throw this line out and then now they'll tell us their number. And now we can figure out whether we can pay it or not. Yeah, that's really, really good. Fantastic. Yeah. What's your opinion of meeting the seller in person or closing deals over the phone? Um, you teach like you got to meet them in person as much as you can. Uh, so our personal preference is, is in the living room. That's our personal preference. But we also recognize that, you, that can always happen. You got rental properties, out of state landlords, uh, or, you know, out of state absentee, whatever the case is. So if we can, we prefer it. But obviously we all adjusted last year with COVID. And so if we, we would prefer to do it in person, but we get any hints, any kind of tell, tell signs that they'd rather do this over the phone, then we'll just do it over the phone. And we'll pivot. And this is something that, you know, I see some of the uh, young, younger salespeople kind of screw this up is that they think the seller's ready to sign. So they'll go for the close right on the phone. And what happens is you come across as a pushy salesperson. Yeah. And so there's an important line that uh, we, we want to uh, throw out here. I'll say, hey, Joe, you know, given our conversation so far, I was just calling to see if you're interested in selling. It kind of sounds like you want to sign something right now. And then they'll say, yeah, I want to now. Okay. Now we have permission to go for the close. But if they say, no, 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 that's not what's going on here. Like, okay, perfect. I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page and they will proceed to go for the appointment. Nice. But that way you don't come across as this pushy salesperson trying to push hard for the close right now. Cause there's nothing that kills more deals than commission breath. Okay, good. Getting some good feedback here from Tim. Great stuff, you, Tim. Steve Trang. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, most of your your the, you know the, your own deals, the deals that you're seeing people in your brokerage do, are they doing it in person? Or are they doing it virtual? We're doing everything pretty much in person. It's gonna be a lot harder, right? We're just expanded expanded Oklahoma City. That's definitely gonna be virtual. But yeah, we we do predominantly in person. What are you seeing right now in terms of marketing channels that's working best for you? What are you guys doing? So for us, direct mail uh, has been the strongest. For a long time, it was text, but that responsiveness has kind of gotten a little harder. And then it was cold calling. Uh, that responsiveness has gotten a little bit more difficult. And I, I don't know, it might be just because there's too many darn gurus in Phoenix teaching it. And so there might be more wholesalers. And who, starting in who's Phoenix. doing direct mail anymore? Nobody. The, the guys that are having a lot of success that aren't talking about it. That's who's doing direct mail. <laughs> It's yeah. been a, a poorly kept secret, you know, like I talk to guys in town that are doing lots of deals and having tremendous success. And they say to me, man, Steve, I'm so glad that people are coming on your show talking about texting and cold calling because my, <laughs> my, my direct mail ROI has gone way up. It has. And especially yeah. guys, if you can do it in small towns, I mean, even a year or two ago when um, direct mail was half of 1%, if you're good in the small towns, we're seeing three to 5%. That's incredible. Oh my gosh, small town. Yeah. And people still will buy a house in a small town. Mm -hmm. That's the crazy thing. People still want to live there. Yeah. And there's very low inventory in small towns. Everywhere. And it's easier to negotiate bigger discounts. Absolutely. We're seeing 5 to 10% consistently response rates with our direct mail for vacant land. Mm. 5 to 10% response rates. And we don't even send them an offer. We don't even talk to them until we send them an offer and they accept our offer, <laughs> which is crazy. That's amazing. All right. So one of the things we talked about early on is 
you have a lot of investors, especially in the Phoenix area, hot markets like Denver and Southern California. You're seeing your house, if you're a wholesaler, on other wholesalers' lists, mm -hmm. right? Well, um, so when when we were talking about this earlier, my point was that the worst part, if, you, if you're not good at sales, is that I'll talk to Joe and Joe says, well, I got to think about it. Yeah. I said, okay, you think about it. And then two days later, I'll see that house on another email blast from another wholesaler. Um, and it makes you sick. I was talking to Chris Rector a couple of months back. He calls them pukers. And you kind of puke in your mouth a little bit because you were at that house and the homeowner said, let me think about it, which you knew, which you know now is their way of telling you no, but they don't have the guts to tell you no. And so, yeah, that's what I was talking about as far as preventing yeah. seeing your property that you went to, you met with the homeowner, you cried with them for two hours and you had a great time. And they said, you know what? Just let, give me a, a night to think about it. And you call them tomorrow and you never reach them again. And then a couple of days later, you see an email blast. Has that ever happened Whoop. to you, Joe? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it the worst feeling? What was the, what did the Richter call it? Choker? Puker. Puker. Pukers. <laughs> I'm going to, maybe I should put that into my title of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> how to yeah. not get the pukers. Okay, but how do you prevent that? It's what we talked about, right? If you have five minutes to train somebody is that you got to give the homeowner permission to tell you no, because if you don't give them permission to tell you no, then it's weird telling someone no. And if it's weird to tell you no, they're just gonna they're gonna be nice. They're gonna try to protect. It's like Joe, you know what? Just let me think about it. And that think about it is their way of saying no. And then you see it somewhere else. But you have happy ears. You feel like you're, you're gonna get it. You know, they'll tell you things. Oh, I really like your offer. You seem really nice. I like you a lot. So let me sleep on it. I'll get back to you tomorrow. And you never hear from them again. So what do you say when they say that? Well, that's why we established the rules. Oh yeah. So you just refer them back to you know, you you basically say. This is what I say. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I say, you know, listen, usually when somebody tells me that, it's just their polite way of saying no. Mm -hmm. So are you telling me you really aren't interested? Or are we done? Exactly. And so exactly it. And you you pull away. You take your offer off mm -hmm. the table, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we'll even go as far as like, hey, Joe, you, you need to think about it. So when we talked about earlier, it was going to be yes or no. But you, you tell me you still got to think about it. Okay. Well, is it the process you got to think about, Joe? Like, was it when we were unclear about the process? Like, no, it's not the process. Oh, okay. So it's got to be the price. You don't like the price. And it's like, no, it's not the price. <sighs> I get it. It's me. You're uncomfortable with me. And they'll jump out and say, oh my God, no, it's not you. It's, and they'll tell you what the problem is. Hmm. And you might find out it really is the price or whatever it is. Yeah. So you don't leave an offer with them, do you? You take it with Absolutely them. not. I don't want to get shot. If you leave an offer behind, that's for sure you're getting, you're seeing that property on someone else's email blast. Right. Okay. Now, but what about a cold lead? This is mm -hmm. something I've always done. I, I, I actually teach this. I think it's a great idea. Maybe it's not. Well, you got a cold lead. The seller says, nah, I say send them an offer anyway. Mm hmm. And I'll email it to them and send it in the physical mail with a cover letter mm -hmm. and a couple pages explaining like, you know, if you comparing working with me versus the other way. Yeah. Do you, would you send a cold offer like that on a cold lead? We don't personally, right? That's not our preferred methodology. But I will say I know other people that do that, that have success, right? There's a guy actually in my office who does a deal or two every quarter from just sending blind, offer, blind offers. Well, so, this would be, it's kind of blind, but you've talked to them already. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, you're miles apart on your numbers or yeah. they're not interested in selling right now. They're not super motivated. Why not send them an offer? Because for us, we just feel like we're going to get shopped, right? So we'd rather just kill it all the way dead. Okay. <laughs> we're going to kill it all the way dead. Now, I'm not saying we don't follow up with them ever again, but we're yeah, trying yeah. to just, we're taking it all the way. It sounds like it's over. There's no way this is going to make, we're, we're going to come to terms. And then after all that, it's like, it sounds like it's over. You know, Joe, you seem really nice. Before I go... Can I just share a couple of things with you? Just make sure you're protected. And it's like, yeah, sure. And then was 
make sure you get 10,000 non-refundable earners, make sure the contract's not assignable, make sure they got a proof of funds, make sure you get a driver's license from everyone that walks through the home. You don't oh want any strangers walking through your home. You're, you're telling a seller this? I'm telling a seller all of this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? And what happens? They're like, oh, wow, I had no idea. Okay, so what would you, we need to be at for you to <laughs> buy my minute, house? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling the seller to ask for a $10,000 earnest money deposit mm-hmm. to make, make sure the contract's not assignable, Mm-hmm. Make sure you get driver's license pictures of drivers walking license. through your home afterwards. Yeah. From anybody who walks in the home afterwards. And what else? Mm-hmm. Proof of funds. Proof of funds. Okay. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Okay. So I, I see, I, I see why you're doing that, but like to explain the psychology of that. Yeah. So they're going to look at you it's like, oh my God, I had no idea how, you know, these other, you know, these cash buyers don't actually have the cash. You mean they're trying to sell the contract? Okay. Well, I want to sell it to you. What price need to be at? And that's like the last thing we'll do to get them more. Get get them a little bit lower on the price. Like I said, we want to kill the deal all the way dead before we that's leave. Pretty mean, Steve. That's like brutal. That's you like know what market brutal. I'm in? You know what market I'm in? There are more wholesalers here than anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> We're oh jaded. man, that's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. We got a good question here from Lado, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to start over and reconstruct the structure of your wholesaling business, mm-hmm. what would you change? If I had to start all over today. If I could go back in time, I would have started sales training earlier. Hmm. If I could start all, if I could start go back in time, if I could start over today, I'm pretty happy with what, what we got going on right now. You know, we got the right infrastructure, we got the right people in place, we got the right operators, got the right systems. But if I could go back in time, I don't know how many countless millions are left on the table hmm. because I was a lousy salesperson. It was my it was my biggest weakness. Yeah, well, it's so important. I've I've always said this: it's the million dollar skill. Mm-hmm. Sales is the million dollar skill. And why they don't teach it in college is beyond me. Yeah. But I mean, sales training can help you in any business you're in. Absolutely. And at home with the wife, with the I kids. I was going to say that, mm-hmm. but I thought, no, I better not. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Um, and, and, and the biggest sales thing that you could learn is just how to be nice. Yeah. But how to for, be nice, how to listen, how to be, how to, how to be assertive without being aggressive. Oh, that's really good. Okay. Yeah. We got to wrap this up. We're at the top of the hour. What are some of the favorite books you're reading right now, Steve? Oh, favorite books. Um, the The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham, I think is fantastic. It's on one my, my favorite, One of my favorite books recently. Just went through principles, which felt like an encyclopedia. I think it took me three months to get through that one. What else recently? I'm going through some classics right now. So I haven't gotten as many new books recently. My favorite leadership book is Good Leaders Ask Great Questions hmm. by John Maxwell. Hmm. Good. So I think that that one, it, you you need to know those three. You need, you need to know the questions to ask the people around you if you're going to be a good leader. If you're not asking the right questions, you might be in for some rude surprises. Very good. Blindsided you, by people quitting. Do you, um, have you been, do, do you ever read any fiction? No, I don't. I, it's, you should try I, it. I know. I've heard it. I've heard that. But I've got too many things I'm trying to accomplish. <laughs> <laughs> it's sometimes good to let your brain take a vacation. So the kids are maybe, for. Maybe the kids. vacation means watching TV or playing video games. I don't know. But for me, I love just kind of... And I, I read maybe one fiction book a year. But mm-hmm. it's it's sometimes helpful, I think. I watch, um, I watch movies with my wife. And okay. I watch... TV shows or movies with the kids on the weekends. I'm very intentional. I don't do anything work-related on Saturdays, no, ever. Yeah. And then on Sundays, afternoons, it's family. Like I give myself some time to work to catch up on Sundays, but I'm very intentional spending time with the family on the weekends. That's the, that's the wind down. Tim Harvey says here, yes, sales training does help with family. That's right. A hundred percent. And Lado is going to be one of your 100 millionaires. Keep an eye out, Lado. Uh, we got something coming out. We just got the poker chips today that we're going to be using to enroll our community in the 100 Millionaire Challenge. It's going to be right. exciting. Do you know how yeah. many you have? Have you looked at that? 
verified you give, you give awards out, don't you? We do. We've given out three plaques, but we're going to be giving out a lot more awards. So keep right. an eye out for all that. Well, guys, I, I proudly recommend, Steve, to anybody wanting to learn sales. And sales is super important. We've talked about it. Steve Trang has some of the best sales training on the market today. And if you're interested in getting more information, joemccall.com slash sales. joemccall.com slash sales. Can you explain a little bit about what they get? There yeah. So with that, they get uh, our 12 modules. So what we talked about today in an hour, you know, broken out over 12 modules because I couldn't go over all oh, yeah. of it. Right. But the psychology, just to make sure you maximize, because we've got no problem spending all this money on marketing, but it costs so much to actually get in the living room, get to maximize each and every opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so for just $2,000, you're going to make sure you're not going to have those pukers. <laughs> coming through your emails. You know, the, getting good sales training is the difference between maybe getting one out of 40 offers accepted to one out of 20 offers accepted. Yeah. Or even if you just went from one out of 30 to one out of 25. I mean, you're talking about an extra deal or two a year, an extra deal a month. Every extra sale goes directly from the top line to the bottom line. Your expenses are fixed. Yeah. Every single dollar that comes in as an additional sale goes straight to the bottom line. No, oh, that's a great point. It's a great way to look at it. All right. So go to joemccall.com slash sales, joemccall.com slash sales. That'll take you right to Steve Trang's uh, website to check out his sales training there. I highly recommend it. A lot of the biggest players in the industry have taken it and yep. uh, are super glad they did. I'm, I'm literally, I'm talking about the biggest wholesalers in the industry have done that. Real quick, can they get a hold of you on Instagram, Steve Trang? Yep. Steve dot train. Good. That's the best way to get me on Instagram. Good. Steve, I know you're a busy guy. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. See you later. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care.